Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of a Trophy Life podcast. I'm your host, Bob Rathbun, coming to you from Atlanta. And the big news in college basketball this week was the Monday deadline where players had to announce whether or not they would stay in the NBA draft or return to school. And good news for college basketball fans, many of the big stars decided to go back. And in that list is the Iowa big man, Luca Garza. He's a frontrunner for the Naismith Player of the Year next year. Uh, he's an outstanding talent. And coming back for his senior year, the Big Ten is going to be phenomenal. Uh, other players like Jared Butler from Dayton, Remy Martin, Arizona State, a lot of guys going back to college basketball for the 2021 season. And on that note... Next week, Jeff Goodman from Stadium is going to be our guest, and we're going to go over all this. We'll take a deep dive into what the landscape in college basketball looks like. We're getting into mid-August by next week, and guys will be returning to college campuses. Practices will be beginning, workouts, etc. So we'll get a sneak preview from Jeff. That's next week on a Trophy Life podcast. This week's a Trophy Life podcast is sponsored by Jersey Mike's, where they offer a sub-above one that's measured in more than inches or seconds till served. Jersey Mike's carefully considers every aspect of what they do, every slice, every sandwich, every store. They seek to provide their customers with sustenance and substance as well. This week, my guest is Ann Myers-Drysdale. We catch up with Annie from the West Coast and catch up with her and talk about her remarkable career in the game of basketball. Currently a vice president with the Phoenix Suns, does their TV color work. Uh, She's also a VP with the WNBA's Phoenix Mercury, but an amazing Hall of Fame career. Annie was one of the greats in high school sports in multiple sports, not just basketball. She was also a great volleyball player. She also, of course, was out of an athletic family, there were 11 kids. Uh, her brother, Dave Myers, was a big star at UCLA. So it's just a very interesting conversation and a very interesting person and one of the nicest people we've ever come across in the game of college or pro basketball. She'll tell the story about the time that uh, she got a chance to try out and sign a contract, in fact, with the Indiana Pacers in the NBA. That's all coming up this week. Our chat with Hall of Famer. Ann Myers Drysdale. A pleasure to have Ann Myers Drysdale joining us on the Trophy Life podcast as we've had a great time this summer going back and talking to our former award winners. Annie won the Outstanding Contributor Award back in 2017, among a zillion other awards. It's great to have the Hall of Famer with us. Annie, how are you? I'm great, Bob. I'm, uh, you know, missing basketball, and uh, I'm glad it's on, but um, not working has has been hard. I just wanted to ask you, first and foremost, for you and the family, how is everybody holding up in the pandemic? Well, we're good. Everybody's kind of spread out. Uh, Two of my kids are in California, and one is in Arizona. And uh, and the one in Arizona, he and his wife are working out of their house. And uh, my other son is uh, working out of his house. My daughter's just finished UCLA, and she's got a couple more classes that she's taking online. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's strange. I mean, uh, certainly my mom is 94, so I get to talk to her and ask, you know, have you ever seen anything like this in your lifetime? And, uh, and, and talking to people that are in their 80s and 90s, and you, they just shake their head and just they've seen nothing like this before. No, no, this is crazy. Um, 
earlier today, we're going to talk about a lot of different things, but going back to your uh, Outstanding Contributor Award, I'm having lunch today with our Executive Director, Eric Oberman, and he said, well, make sure that you ask Annie about Bill Walton's uh, speech that he gave to introduce Ann and, uh, as sort of a presenter for the award. This is now at the Final Four Bank in Phoenix in 2017. And I wanted to ask you, so you'll tell the story, how your dad is responsible for Bill Walton's broadcasting career. Well, I don't know if my dad is or not. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know about that. But I do know that, um, you know, Bill's from San Diego, and it's such a small world that my dad, when, uh, he was the captain of the 1945 team in, in, at Marquette. And when he and my mom moved out to San Diego, my dad, he had been drafted by the Milwaukee Shooting Stars back in 48 or whatever, <clears throat> or 47. I don't know. That was way before me. Anyways, um, so he moved out to San Diego to play, to play ball, and he got a job uh, at a shoe store and eventually worked for Sears for 30 years. But uh, dad played ball with a guy named Fawn Johnson, who played on Century 21, if you remember that. Right. At all. And so Fawn was a big-time player, and Fawn also coached the Pan Am team in 55. And uh, he also became the, the athletic director at USD and, uh, and coached uh, the Navy team. But he coached Bill uh, when Bill was in high school and stuff. And so when my brother David was at UCLA and played with Bill, obviously our family, my mom and dad with Bill's mom and dad, would go on trips together and so forth. But I don't know if my dad was instrumental in, in Bill's broadcasting. But Bill, I will tell you, Bob, that, that Bill is one of the brightest and most intelligent and unbelievable minds. He is so smart and has a photogenic, you know, um, memory and, and is so good at thanking people and brings everybody in. And uh, so fortunately, he was in, in Arizona and I had asked him to present me. Um, but one of the things that Papa, Coach Wooden, who I call Papa, uh, said that when Bill was at UCLA, he was a stutter. And uh, Marty Glickman helped him with his stuttering. And then he got into broadcasting and so forth after playing days at, with uh, Portland and Boston. But um, afterwards, one of the lines that Papa used, and, and this is the line that I used after Bill presented me, was that, um, you know, they taught him how to speak, but they forgot to tell him how to stop. Because <laughs> Bill can go on and on and on, but you know he's all, he always has something to say. That's funny. Um, gosh, where to start? Um, you've had one of the most remarkable basketball careers of anybody in the history of our game, and I was just wondering what, when you look back, and um. What strikes you? I mean, you're in every Hall of Fame. You're in, you know, the awards and the records and all that stuff. But when you look back on it, what comes to your mind right away? Always family. It's always uh, my family. I have five brothers and five sisters. And I think the work ethic that my mom and dad showed us uh, and, and being competitive and growing up in sports, whether we were playing basketball or whether we were swimming or playing board games or over the line or football or whatever, we were all very competitive. Um, my sister Patty, who was the oldest, eight years older than I was, was probably the best athlete. And she opened more doors than I ever did. And uh, I just happened to come along at a time when Title IX and, and UCLA and my brother David and getting a scholarship and, 
you know, so many things fell into place for me, the Olympics and uh, then the WBL and, and then the Pacers and then the broadcasting. It just, I mean, I've worked hard. There's no question. But I think going back to my family that, um, you know, we we're all, whether my brothers were playing Little League or whether they, you know, playing on their uh, school football team or whatever. Uh, and then I had a sister that was swimming or another sister playing softball. And, you know, I wasn't the only one coming home with a trophy. <laughs> there were like about five or six others coming home with trophies. So you could never really get a big head. And uh, you kind of knew your place and you thought, oh, man, I did so good. And somebody else would say, well, I did this too. And so uh, I think our parents really kept us level-headed. Headed, and, uh, you know, it was, just, it's, it was about hard work and doing what you love. Well, you know, you mentioned Bill Walton and growing up in San Diego, and you had the kind of house in San Diego that was where every all the cool kids wanted to be. I mean, it was the coolest house on the block, and, and everybody wanted to be there, right? Well, actually, when we were in San Diego, my um, the first six of us were born in San Diego. And then in 55, my dad uh, got a job with uh, Sears, and uh, we moved to Chicago. And we were in Chicago for about eight, nine years. And, uh, and then we moved out to uh, Orange County, California. So the, and the last uh, four were born, uh, three were born in Chicago, and then the last two were born in, uh, in um, California. So we did have a house in uh, Orange County that, um, yeah, everybody came to. I mean, you know, we had a big swimming pool. Uh, we'd play football in the street. We'd play 500. Uh, we'd ride our bikes down to the elementary school because we never had a basket on our house. Uh, you know, whether we hit the tennis ball against the, the garage door, or, but we'd ride our bikes to the elementary school and we played um, over the line or we played basketball till it got dark and so forth. And, you know, in those days too, back in the 60s, um, you know, you could ride your bike and you got home by dinner time and so forth. It was, so it was not that big a deal because our parents knew that we were out playing sports. Was there any, ever any question you would go to UCLA? Oh, yes, because, uh, you know, even though Title IX had passed in 72, uh, I was a senior in high school in 74. And uh, so things had not really taken off as far as scholarships. Uh, my sister Patty had gone to Cal State Fullerton and won a national championship in 1970 playing for Billy Moore. And, uh, and then she went on to play pro softball. But, um, you know, I had no idea where I was going to go. I played seven sports in high school. So it wasn't just basketball. And, uh, and actually, I wanted to go to the Olympics as a, as a high jumper, as a track athlete. And when I got to uh, high school, I, you know, basketball seemed to open up. And then my senior year, I was, uh, made the USA national team, being the first high school player to do so. And, uh, and then found out that basketball was going to be an Olympic sport in 76. So uh, even though I was on the track team at UCLA and I also played volleyball at UCLA, um, my my scholarship came where my brother David came home one weekend and he was rooming with, uh, he was in an apartment with Kenny Washington. And Kenny Washington was on Coach Wooden's uh, 64 and 65 championship teams. And he was the women's coach. He was going to be the women's coach in 1975. So Kenny and, and David came home that weekend and they said, well, hey, how would you like to go to UCLA and, and play basketball on a scholarship? <laughs> And that's how it happened for me to go to UCLA. Wow. wow. Um, you mentioned uh, Billy Moore. Um, what a special coach. What a special person. And uh, 
just wanted to get your remembrances of Coach. I mean, I, I trust you're still doing well. And uh, and uh, you, because you mentioned the Olympic, uh, she was our Olympic coach that year, so you got to play for your college coach. It was a pretty, pretty unique relationship. Well, I had three coaches at UCLA. I had Kenny Washington my freshman year, which I owe so much as far as the fundamentals of my game, learning uh, how to play the John Wooden way, really. Um, all the, the drills we did were the same drills that the guys did. Uh, and then the next two years, Ellen Mosier was the coach, my sophomore and junior year. And then uh, Billy came from Cal State Fullerton. And I knew Billy from when I was in elementary school because, as I said, my sister Patty played for her. And uh, my sister Patty also played softball with uh, uh, Sharon Backus, who was uh, Sharon Backus and Billy had uh, uh, roomed together. And, uh, and Backus is in the Softball Hall of Fame. But Patty and, and Sharon and all those women from that era they all played softball together, volleyball together, basketball together. And so as a kid, I would always go watch them play. And I, so I knew Billy as, from elementary school. And, uh, and then certainly my first three years at UCLA, we played Cal State Fullerton all the time and played against Billy. And then when I had my, in 76, uh, well, actually 75 for the Pan Am game, she was the assistant coach under Kathy Rush. And, uh, and certainly for the Olympic team, my sophomore year at UCLA, she was the Olympic coach. And um, so I, I've known Billy a long, long time. And absolutely, I think uh, she was very instrumental in the beginning of, the, of women's basketball, where it is today, and uh, one of the foremost uh, great minds. I mean, her dad was a coach, and uh, she came from Kansas. And, uh, just, uh, and I still stay in touch with her. And we talk basketball. Uh, she was a great mentor to Pat Head, Pat Summit, uh, who Pat was on our Olympic team in 76. And, um, you know, Billy is an unbelievable golfer still. Uh, she's you know, has to live a certain way as far as uh, eating and, and uh, staying home because of uh, her cancer. But she has beat it for a long time and continues to hit a straight golf ball, and it makes me sick. <laughs> Small world, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, it's crazy. Um, gosh. And... Um, not to fast forward through your UCLA days, but 1980 comes and the Indiana Pacers, uh, they make history signing you to a contract. Uh, there, I'm sure, of many listening to this podcast today that just kind of snapped their heads back and said, what? Ann Myers was in the NBA with the Pacers? Go back and, and recount the tale for our audience about how all that came about and what happened when you got there. Well, like my late husband, Don Drysdale, always said, you're only as good as yesterday's paper. <laughs> but so in 78, uh, we won the championship my senior year. And I had two extra quarters to graduate um, because I was always playing summer ball with USA Basketball. So um, UCLA is on the quarter system. And, and I really wanted to get my degree. I also was the number one draft pick in the WBL, which was, the first women's professional basketball league. I was drafted by the Houston Angels. And, uh, but if you recall, the Olympics back then, you had to be an amateur. So I, did not, I chose not to go into the WBL. I thought if it, if it was still around after 1980, the 1980 Olympics, then I would play in the WBL. And, uh, and plus, it would give me an opportunity to get my uh, degree at UCLA. And uh, they wanted me to play volleyball. And I, after my basketball um, 
in 78. They wanted me to play in 79 on the volleyball team, which I had played the previous two years. And I wanted to, but my knees were so bad. I mean, I was just going from volleyball to basketball to basketball, basketball, and then volleyball or track and field or tennis or, and even tried out for the tennis team and the badminton team at UCLA and played a little rugby, but they didn't want me playing rugby. They thought I'd get hurt. And uh, so, uh, <laughs> but um, so in 79 came, um, you know, I was playing USA basketball and they basically told me that uh, USA basketball, which Bill Wall, it was called ABA USA at the time. Uh, they kind of said, Hey, if you don't play, you're not going to be on the 80 team. And it was, I was just wanted to get healthy so I could play because, I wanted to play again for the Olympics and represent our country. So I'm playing. I was the captain of the team for the um, for the Pan Am teams, the World uh, Championships. We won gold, and uh, um, we're in the Pan Am Games with the uh, Spartacade Games. Uh, we're getting ready to go to the World University Games to go to Mexico City. We have training camp in, up in Squaw Valley, and uh, and I really wanted to play for Sue Gunner. Sue Gunner, who had been our assistant coach in '76 with Billy was going to be the head coach of the 1980 Olympic team. And um, so we come back from Russia, and uh, I, think we, I think we came in second. You know, the Soviets just dominated. They had Uliana Semenova, who was a seven-footer. Uh, she was as big as Shaq. And, uh, and the Soviets, you know, they had been together they, as uh, basically pros. They were all in their late 20s and early 30s. Right. And uh, in the amateur days, uh, we were basically college kids and hadn't been together that long. But um, so we get back from Russia and I get a call out of the blue. And, and remember, my brother David had won two championships at UCLA in 75, Coach Wooden's last championship. He was the captain. He was the number two pick in the NBA and went in the trade for uh, Kareem to Milwaukee with four other guys. And, uh, and Kareem came to L.A. But, um, you know, David was a name. And I knew a lot of people in the NBA and the basketball world. They knew who I was because – of what happened in 78 and uh, was still receiving a lot of recognition uh, in the Los Angeles, California area. And uh, when we get back from Russia, I get a call from Sam Nassi, who was the new owner of the Indiana Pacers and lived in California and um, basically said, how would you like to try out in the NBA? And I'm like, going, who is this? <laughs> but, um, and certainly people felt it was a publicity situation and, uh, it may have been, but I never looked at it that way and uh, because I had been playing the game against guys my whole life, and uh, I just uh, I really had to weigh in about, and I, I did get my degree at UCLA. I did graduate and uh, but then I was weighing in about you know giving up the 80 Olympics. That was very, very difficult decision for me. And uh, so when I made my decision, I, I just, at the end, I thought it was an opportunity of a lifetime. I mean, I talked to my brother, David, I talked to Julius, I talked to, you know, a lot of people in the, in the league that I knew. And, um, and again, my family, my family was very supportive. Um, and I thought it was an opportunity. I mean, that's what I always tell people, Bob, I say, don't look back in life and say, what if I would have, should have, could have. You know, go ahead and try. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But at least you, you, you made the attempt. And, uh, and so I did. I did. And I gave up the Olympics. It was so hard. Um, and then our president boycotted. And I felt so bad for all the 80 Olympians, anybody that was involved, because it was so, yes. people give up so much at that time, too, for the Olympics. But, um, you know, I moved on. And uh, Johnny Davis, who was on the team, was 
a big help when I try uh, when I went back to Indiana to work out. Uh, my brother Jeff uh, worked me out really hard, and uh, I went into training. I went into training to uh, um, get ready for the next level. And uh, so it was a free. I was signed as a free agent. I was not drafted, and uh, it was a free agent rookie camp. And as you recall, back in '79 and, and '80, that was uh, how many dra- how many uh, rounds we had? Like 17 or something like that. 15, 17 rounds. Mm-hmm. So you had free agents and rookies. It's not like it what it is today. Right. And um, so I went to the camp, and um, it was a, a three-day camp, two-a-days. And uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, it was the best I was ever prepared to play the game. Uh, it was tough. It was difficult. But, you know, thank goodness, honestly, that I did not grow up in social media and the Internet day. Uh, we had TV, radio, and newspapers. Um, and I didn't look at any of them. I tried not to because uh, I, I didn't know what a press conference was. Uh, when I made the decision that I was going to try out uh, for the Pacers, um, there was a big press conference in Los Angeles, and Slick Leonard was the coach. As a matter of fact, he had come out weeks before trying to talk me out of it, um, and uh, I wasn't going to be deterred. So Slick Leonard and uh, Sam Nasty and I were at this press conference, which – Again, I had never done a press conference. I didn't know what it was. I uh, was very intimidated by it. And uh, the media, which in Los Angeles, I had been well-liked because of UCLA and, and things that had uh, I had accomplished in, in our team and so forth. But now it was like really attack mode. <laughs> I, mm. I, was like, I was really thrown. Um, but it was all a learning process. There's no question about it. But um, it was the best decision I ever made in my life. It changed my really? life. I didn't make it as a player, but, um, you know, I, I worked in the front office, uh, and I got into broadcasting. I did the Pacer games, and uh, but I was 24, and I was still in shape, and I wanted to play, and so they released me from my contract so I could play in the WBL, and uh, the Houston Angels had traded my rights to the New Jersey Gems, and uh, so in the second year of the league, uh, I was co-MVP, and I did not play the third year because they didn't pay me all my money from that year that I played. <laughs> um, but I had been invited to the Women's Superstars, which was a made-for-TV event. And uh, I finished fourth, which playing all those sports through high school and college, I was not happy about uh, because I had been playing basketball and been indoor playing for the, the gyms. And, uh, but the next three years I trained and won it three years in a row and got invited to the men's superstars and uh, basically is where I met Don. And, you know, so for every door that closes, another one opens. Wow. You know, I, you, you recount the story of those early days uh, of professional basketball for women. And I think about the, the young ladies who play today and, and they really have grown up not knowing there wasn't a WNBA, which is kind of cool in a way that, you know, their mindset today is this is just a natural evolution. If I'm good enough in college, I'll have a chance to play professional basketball and I can play here in the States in the summer and the W and have maybe have a chance to go overseas in the winter. And it sure wasn't that way when you were coming along. And it's just so great to see the progress, as small as it may be in some regards, but to see the progress that's been made in women's basketball uh, that you've seen has been tremendous. No, it really has, and you you see it because you get to call the dream games, and also with Lachina and so forth, and, and sitting next to her, 
and she's a bundle of, you know, uh, information too, which is wonderful, and she does a great job. Both of you do. And, uh, and, and it's a respect factor. I mean, these women work just as hard. Uh, their skill is just as good. It, they don't play above the basket. They play below it. But, but uh, to see where the game is today, it's like the same thing on the men's side. You look at Dominique. And, uh, the only reason I think a lot of the young guys know Dominique is because of film. They can look at those things. But if, if you look at Will Chamberlain and Oscar Robertson and Jerry West and Bill Russell, and, and they're like, going, well, who are those guys? You know, right. and, and yet there is film. But, I mean, to say that a great player couldn't be great today is so wrong. You know, um, great players can play in any generation. But, um, yeah, the, the players that have come out and uh, now that there is a, a WNBA league going into our 24th season, 25th season, it's just it's, it's gratifying. It, I'm so happy for them. And, and to see how these players are speaking out now and uh, to know that they make a difference in our society. And uh, especially with Black Lives Matter and, and social injustice and racial injustice and the Me Too movement and uh, uh, to see what the WNBA is doing. And Angel McCautry was huge in having Breonna Taylor's name on the back of all the WNBA players. And, uh, you know, it's just we have to change as a society. We really do. And uh, to know that these women in the WNBA and, and even because of Title IX and where sports are today for young women and young girls, is such a plus because they have a voice. No question. And, you know, the sports is always a great unifier. And in that unification comes awareness and comes responsibility. And, I, and you're right, it's a force for change and positive change. And it's great to see sports, men and women, taking charge like this uh, to, to bring attention and awareness and use the platform that they have because it's a – you know, it's it's a pretty powerful thing, not only in this country, Anne, but you know, this can have worldwide uh, ramifications. No, absolutely, and and I think the one thing, as you said, uh, sports does bring people together. But because it is so competitive, uh, and that's the greatness about sports, because we all are competitive and and have an opinion um, on how we play or or how the game should be played, and so forth. And because of that voice, there is going to be contradiction. But if you don't have a discussion, as uncomfortable as it is, we'll never move forward. Well said. We could talk for a long time. Guys, we have to do it again. <laughs> I, I'm Sign me up. I'm ready. But it's great to catch up with you, Ann. And, and again, our congratulations. Thanks for coming on as a former Naismith winner. Outstanding contributor, and you've meant so much to our game and so much to Na the Naismith Awards. And we just uh, think the world of you and, and uh, can't wait to see you when the Suns ever play the Hawks again. I can't wait to see you. I know. I'm going to make sure I have that road trip. Okay, outstanding. And thanks. Thank you. Take care. If you haven't already, we would really appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review on our podcast. Your support makes a trophy life possible and feedback only goes to help improve the show, so we really look forward to hearing from you. Next week, we'll be hearing from Jeff Goodman. We'll take a deep dive into the 2021 college basketball season now that we know which players have opted out of the NBA draft. Much more with Jeff on that next week. This week's show brought to you by Jersey Mike's, and we encourage you to go by and see your local Jersey Mike's for the best sub in town. That'll do it for this week. Thanks again to Ann Myers-Drysdale, and we'll see you next week on a Trophy Life podcast. From Atlanta, Bob Rathbun saying so long.